We are uh, in the end of James 5, and we're studying um, the prayer of faith, and we're doing like a side study as we're finishing before we go into 1 Peter, and we've been learning about prayer. We've studied about Elijah, because in James 5 it says, Elijah, who is a man, just like what? Us, just like us, okay? And so we went to 1 Kings and found out what kind of man he is, and oh my goodness, you know, that, that's what we need to be. That's, that's how strong uh, our prayers are with the Father. Okay, And so we can be just like Elijah. We have uh, learned when to pray uh, in sickness. Uh, we've learned to pray you know, when sinning, when people are strained to bring them back, when we're happy or sad. Okay, In other words, James is telling us we need to pray when? Always. 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 Praying isn't what we do. It's who we are. It's who we are. It's in our relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? And that it's a, a constant reminder of who we are in Christ. And what it does then is it reminds us that we are incredibly dependent on Him. We are not independent creatures, even though we like to think we are. That's that pride factor, right? And what does He do with pride? Pushes down, and what does He do with humble? He lifts up, right? And so we tend to think that we are independent, that we can do this, that we this, this. And he wonderfully comes along and says, no, 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 Margo, here's my eternal thumb pressure. Look up. Look up at me. Look up at me. I'm the one. I'm the one. I, I, dependent. You're dependent on me for everything. From me, through me, to me are all things. Okay? And so it's an attitude of gratefulness, like we mentioned going around the room even. And so... Uh, we are uh, looking now at Jesus and how he walked through this earth in the Gospels when he's here uh, for 33 years and his three years of teaching. And the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're looking at his prayer life. And, and if he prayed, and he's a great example to us as a prayer life, how much more should we have a prayer life like Jesus's, right? So, who remembers one of the points last week that we had about you know, a prayer walk with Jesus. What was, what was one of the points that um, when Jesus prayed? When did he pray? One of them. What? He went away. He went away. He went to a solitary place, right? Which is really sweet to you, Mary, isn't it? Because that's becoming very um, real to you. It's becoming very real to it, where where you're you're actually going, you know, to a special area in your house to to pray and be alone with them, and not. Being, um, and that, exactly. Mary shared last week uh, last week that she has a a tendency to want to get everything done, and then she'll go and pray. And I asked, you know, who else has? And many people raise their hands, right? Because if it's not all done, then you can't possibly be alone with the Lord, right? And that's that Martha syndrome, right? And and the Lord says, uh, Mary got it right. Right? Mary got it right. It was just at the feet of Jesus, right? Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, Mary, you know, wasn't helping and didn't help and this, this, but at that point, right then, Mary had it right. Okay, instead of making a whole fuss budget about it. And and if if Satan can't make a sin, he keeps us busy, right? And you can't go back. No. No, you can't. No. Because it will never happen again. Excellent. So I'm, I'm, that, that's sweet because that's becoming yours, and so you can. That's one that you've really stamped on your heart. What else? Praying isn't just us blabbing at God, right? You know, many of us just thank the Lord for our health, being able to, right? I mean, it's not just continuing to to ask Him for this type of thing. It's listening, 
It's listening. And that's what Jesus did. He wanted to be alone with his father and listen. Okay? And he was listening. Because he wanted to be about doing his father's what? Will. Want to be about doing his father's will. Excellent. Right this minute. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Get your visual glasses on of your heart and think this, okay? I learn orally really well, but I see visually uh, as I teach. And and think about, you know, that he says, right now, Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father, okay? His throne is like a rainbow. It's a rainbow, you know, it's that's what his throne is, okay? God the Father's, okay? And so here's all this rainbow, and here's God the Father, and here's Jesus seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he's interceding for us. And the Holy Spirit, when we can't even say words, the Holy Spirit is what for us? Groaning for us, right? Because he knows our heart. He searches our heart. And he knows stuff that we don't even know or we can't even comprehend. And he searches our heart. And as we're praying either... um, Orally or thoughtfully, or the Holy Spirit's groaning for us, that Jesus is going, There's my daughter. See, there's my daughter. I died for her. Yep, it's up to me to see that. Okay, Father, yeah. Father, you know, your will in that in there. Your will in that. This is where I see, right? Don't you love that? All three persons of the Godhead, right, are involved in prayer. Woo! Oh, that should have just given you a God chill, right? Those God bumps. It's just like, whoa, all three of them are involved in prayer. So how sweet is that? So the the first one that we learned last week was that when did he go to pray? Early. Excellent. Daniel thinks early in the morning he went to pray, okay? Because who just shared, Mary just shared, that you know what? The day will be gone if you don't plan it. Okay, and so early in the morning he got up to pray. Okay, that was in Mark one thirty-five, and then there was another one before he was obedient. Jeannie, he prayed often. Yeah, he prayed often. Absolutely did. There was another one uh, as he was being obedient. He prayed all night. He purposed in his heart to pray. When is one of the uh, times that um, that before he did an obedient act before everybody that he prayed? What was that obedient act? Before his baptism. Yep. And in Gethsemane, absolutely. But before his baptism, where he prayed. And then what did God the Father do when he prayed? Yeah. Forming the Holy Spirit, he said, This is my what? My beloved Son, in whom I am so well pleased. Now, did Jesus need to be baptized? Did he need to be baptized? Because baptism doesn't save, right? It comes after repentance. Okay, and so did he need to be baptized? Okay, did he even need anything like that? Because was he like needing of repentance? No, no, absolutely as an example of obedience that he wants to do the will of the Father that sent him, and so it's a it's an outward expression of our inward confession. Okay, and so he used it as an example. And the other one was he withdrew often, right? Remember he withdrew often to pray. Okay, and then also he spent who said the whole night, right? Spent the whole night in prayer. And so he spent all night. And then he prayed uh, privately, right? As Mary was saying, he prayed privately. Luke 9, 18. Luke 9, 18 says, Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? Okay? He prayed privately. Okay? You know, Jesus spent a considerable amount of time with his disciples. Okay, remember last week we were talking about how he was, you know, crowds followed him all the time, all the time, all the time. But he spent a considerable amount of time with his disciples, okay? But he also took time to go alone to pray. 
to go alone to pray to just he and his father and I've mentioned this before how I just love to be alone to pray um, this morning I opened up the windows because it was beautiful out and I turned off the heat and I could hear the birds the birds are all singing and everything and it was just the birds and myself you know and Jesus alone praying it was just it was just an amazing time and and it's funny how you can how you then can hear those birds you know almost like you know the rocks will cry out if we don't praise him you know and you know that his creation knows who his their creator is and he's that they're just singing away to him and i'm thinking lord that is so sweet that the birds and me are 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 singing to you yeah but you're alone you're just alone with him and you know if you don't have that desire to be alone with him ask him ask him when i I'll tell you what, before I knew Christ, when I came to Christ at 31, before I knew Christ, I never wanted to be alone at all. Not only that, I didn't want to have any quietness in my life. I mean, I needed either the radio blaring or the CDs blaring or people talking or, you know, TV on or something. Something always had to be going on. You know why? Exactly. That's exactly right. I didn't have to see inside myself. Because I, you know, hey, I've got this kind of image and shell and this and that, and I'm cranking, cranking, cranking inside. I'm a, inside, I'm a miserable wretch. Okay? That the Lord wanted to save a soul like me, that amazing grace. And so I kept busy, and I had stuff on. I wouldn't even fall asleep without the TV on. Because I didn't want to be, I want to be distracted at all times. You know how sweet it is to have such a clear conscience before the Lord and to confess before Him and to be honest before Him and to walk before Him and talk. Like my mom used to sing, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And she, I used to see her lilt around the house. I come to the garden alone while the dew. And I'd look at her like, really, Mom? I mean, really? And you know what? Now I know why. Now I know why. There's nothing better than being alone with him, right? Well, the dew is still on the roses, and you're right there. And the voice you hear calling in my ear, oh, because it's okay to be alone. Because guess what? There's nothing better than you know that he knows you through and through, and it's okay. And it's okay. Because you're so forgiven. Because you're so forgiven. And so... Ask him. If you've never privately prayed with him, ask him. Ask him to give you a heart's desire to spend more alone time with the Father. So the psalmist David, okay, uh, tells us all the time that he spent in God's presence, right? As he was out shepherding, okay, and he said it was better to spend an hour with God than what? thousand years, remember this? Than a thousand years otherwise, right? Better is one day in your courts, right, than a thousand anywhere else, okay? And so ask him to give you that desire. Ask him to give you that discipline in your life, okay? You guys, when you ask him, he says, what took you so long to ask me? I'm right here. I've always been here. Just ask me. I love to answer you. Of course I'm going to do that. Listen to what Jonathan Edwards says, okay? Because uh, you learn to pray by praying, okay? Just like anything else, right? Right? Just like anything else, okay? You need to do it, right? The reason I can cook well is because I'm cooking, 
Okay? I'm cooking all the time. If my kids are like, Mom, how do you just throw that together? How do you just and just know that all these spices and everything? I said, Honey, because I'm cooking. I know I've been married almost 25 years prior to that. I mean, and I watched my mom and I learned from my mom. It's because I cook that I can, that I'm cooking, that I can cook. Okay. It's the same thing with praying. Okay. In other words, you learn to pray by praying. Okay. Listen to what Jonathan at Puritan, the Puritan Jonathan Edwards says in his journal. Okay. From 1737. Okay. Okay. Let's all go back there. Once as I rode out into the woods for my health in 1737. Is that great? I rode out into the woods. See? All of us with horses know that it helps your health, right? Once as I rode out into the woods for my health in 1737, having alighted from my horse in a retired place, as my manner commonly has been, to walk for divine contemplation. I love how the old guys used words that are rich, right? He walked for divine contemplation of the glory of the Son of God as mediator between God and man and his wonderful, great full, pure, sweet grace and love, and meek and gentle condescension. This grace that appeared so calm and sweet appeared also great above heavens. The person of Christ appeared ineffably excellent, with an excellency great enough to swallow up all my thought and conception, which continued as near as I can judge about an hour which kept me the greater part of mine in a flood of tears and weeping aloud. I felt an ardency of soul to be what I know not otherwise to express, emptied and annihilated, to lie in that dust and to be filled with Christ alone, to love him with a holy and pure love. Being alone with them. That's what you'll experience. Being alone with them. Let him speak to you. Let him change you. Let him be intimate with you. And he'll take care of your horse as well. All right, so, so a person who has, who has desired to be alone with the Lord and is, has received, like, you know, a divine visitation. I'm not trying to make this weird, but I mean that they can hear from the Lord, okay, and know how much he loves them, okay? Okay, and... As the demands of your day or the demands of your ministry or the demands of your family or whatever you know else increases, the demands of Jesus' ministry, guess what else increased in his life? His prayer life. His prayer life. He, the more his ministry increased, the more he got alone with his father. Okay, his prayer life continued to get more and more and more and more and more. Okay, And so Jesus disciplined himself to maintain his prayer life. Because he's all Jesus, he's all God, and he's all man. And he knew that he knew he needed that. To be conformed to God's will. Okay? And so how are you doing in the private area? Okay? Because in Jesus' life, prayer was the very breath of his life. The very breath of his life. Right? What does Michael W. Smith Smith say? This is the air I breathe. Right? Right? Your holy presence living in me, that's prayer life. That's absolute prayer life, okay? So do we maintain a disciplined, personal prayer life? Okay? Ask yourself that. Do I do that? If you say no, then there is a beginning of your victory. Okay? No, I don't. Okay, well then, Lord, help me. Help me in this. Give me the next step. I want to walk the next step, okay? Uh, like, like Mary shared last week. I mean, how sweet is that, okay? And so we're asking, you know, do you have that uninterrupted time with the Father? Uninterrupted time. Either early in the morning, late at night. I would suggest early in the morning that you have made it your decision that it's going to be between you and the Father. And that's it, okay? Because 
one of the secrets of prayer is praying in secret. One of the secrets of prayer is praying in secret. Getting alone with Him. Okay, because as Oswald Chambers would tell you, prayer is the work. It's what moves God's hand. Oh, moves God's hand. You can just see Him unfold before you. Okay, so make sure... Uh, that you get alone, you pray privately. Okay. Then, sixthly, that Matthew fourteen uh, twenty three, Jesus dismissed the crowd to pray. Okay, he dismissed the crowd to pl- to pray. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples to get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside, up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone. Okay, okay. <laughs> You know, although Jesus was God, he disciplined his life when it came to prayer, what I just mentioned, okay? And so, you know, a lot of times I think we, as, as, as women especially, I think we think that we need to have some sort of emotion that happens first. You know, some sort of emotion or some sort of feeling needs to come over us or some sort of trial you know, or some sort of whatever that needs to, you know, first come over us before, you know, that we go and pray. Okay? It's just obedience. It's just wanting to be with the Father. And the more you're with Him, the more you want to be with Him. Prayer begats prayer. Okay? Just like sin begats more sin, prayer begats more prayer. Because what you're seeing then is you're seeing, like you are, hon, you're seeing how He's speaking all the time. And you were like, Whoa, this is intimate. Wow, what a relationship this is. And your relationship gets more and more and more and more until he either comes and gets us or he takes you home. That's your life. Okay, so that would be your life. So, you know, in that discipline um, of, of dismissing the crowd or dismissing something in your life, dismissing your housework for a minute, dismissing something, okay, dismissing whatever it is. He needed to dismiss the crowd because the crowds are around him all the time. Okay, you need to dismiss. Like for instance, you know, early in the morning uh, is an is an easier time that you will not be distracted because you're up, and you you know it's and so it's easier to dismiss than when you have everything else coming at you. But I'm telling you, even when Jesus had everything else coming at him, what did he do? He fed the crowds, he, he taught the crowds, he healed the crowds, he did everything with the crowds, and then he dismissed them, even his disciples, went up the mountainside to be with his father, to be with his daddy. Jill, right, and Jill climbed in the <laughs> That's how she dismissed herself. Yeah. Anyway, I always, I always need to ask her, Jill, how does it dismiss yourself when now you've got your kids running everywhere and you're in there. You know, I'm having a hard time with that, you know. You should keep your kids in there and then dismiss yourself, right? And hopefully they're watching Barney or something, right? You know, so, uh, no, but that's, you do. You have to dismiss yourself from that, absolutely. Jesus didn't allow his busy life, okay, to take a toll on his prayer life. He dismissed the crowds that were always with him and he went to pray. And so I'm asking us to take a look at our busy life. Okay, just take a look at your busy life. Do you find the time to pray? Do you dismiss things? Okay, because if you don't dismiss things, I promise you, you're missing out on God's best. You are missing out. Because I know that I know that I know that I know that He, and I mentioned this last week, He takes things off my plate 
I will be in prayer. I know, and I'm like, Lord, you know my day. I want, I want to do what you bless, Lord. I want to do what you bless this day. You know, this is what's here, but I want to do what you bless. Not, here's my list. Now, bless it, Lord. I want to do what you bless. And I'm telling you, many a times, I will get a text. I will get a call. I will get an email that will say, oh, you know what? You know, I got the kids. This is not happening. This happened. I mean, all of a sudden, the world is turned upside down, and I have about four or five other things that are taken off of my plate. And I know that I know that that's from him. That's from him. Because he's the one orchestrating it. It's just how much do I trust him? How much do I trust him to orchestrate my life? That's, you know, that's, that's where we're at. Do you really trust him to orchestrate your life? Do you really trust him that he's sovereign? Do you really trust him that he really does rule over you? And when you do, you can dismiss the crowds. And you can be with him, okay? And so, when you do, you, he goes, yeah, that's my girl. She sees how important it is to this. Now watch me work. She sees how important it is to be with me. Now watch me work. How many hours are we tempted to watch TV? Okay? I mean, how many hours are we tempted to watch TV or to be online? Or, you know, whatever else it is that that can consume us that way, okay? And yet, we're not ashamed that we don't take any time to pray. Right? There's a disconnect there, isn't there? There's an absolute disconnect, okay? You know, it's, it's to switch off the TV, to take time to pray. I know that I know that if I get up in the morning and I first want to know the weather and the news and this, this, this and everything, I know that I know I'm going the wrong direction. I know. Is it wrong to find out the weather and the news? No. But I know if I make that my first priority, I know that I'm going in the wrong direction for my life. I know that, okay? And so we have no excuse to give God. If Jesus could excuse the crowds and dismiss the crowds, okay, then we have no excuse to give God. Right in our prayer life, okay? Um, And I want to tell you something, guys. Prayer doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally to us. You know what comes naturally to us? Me, myself, and I. Right? Me, my... uh. You know, how does this affect me? All that kind of stuff comes naturally. That's why we need to be in prayer so we can be conformed to likeness of his son and not be about our putrid selves. Because it doesn't come naturally to us. And so, you know, when, when, we, when we bow our heads in, prayers, in, in prayer, I'm telling you, Satan doesn't dig that. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Right? As we keep walking that way. All right? And so that was another situation where Jesus dismissed the crowd and went to pray. Okay? Now, the seventh one is that Jesus prayed with his disciples. Now, you guys were just talking about accountability um, with, with uh, other women that you pray. Okay? Luke 9.28, prayerfully. After eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter... John and James with him and went up to the mountain to pray. Okay. Now, he not only prayed in private times, he then prayed with who? His close, intimate friends, his buddies, his disciples. Those that he was mentoring and that was, he was, they were walking from, walking with him, okay? There was no other agenda on Jesus' heart than to pray with them. Okay, prayer isn't like just added on to something. Okay, let's go through our whole agenda now and, oh, now, bless our agenda, Jesus. How many people have done that in committees, right? I mean, sadly to say, okay, that wasn't Jesus' heart. He took his disciples away specifically to do what? To pray. 
not to commend them, not to criticize them, not to tell them this is the way you should walk, not to, you know, you know, not to do anything else. But you guys, we need to meet with the Father. We need to meet with the Father. And that was his whole heart's prayer. Okay? It, it, it wasn't a meeting that you added prayer to. It was all about prayer. It was all about prayer. And prayer comes by example. I am sure those disciples just sat there and watched Jesus pray to his Father. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, you guys, can you imagine? Peter's like... <laughs> I mean, I am sure of it. I mean, they, you guys, it is more caught than taught. Right? Right? As you're discipling and you're walking and you're living in Christ, right? People catch it. Catch it from you. Catch it. It's not taught. It's more caught than taught. It's who you are in Christ. And that's appealing. Right? And so as you're praying, then people are like, oh, okay. And then I'm, then he just brings them along. He just brings them along. And so, and so he purposely went there to pray, okay? And by this action, Jesus was absolutely demonstrating the importance of praying what? Together. The importance of praying together. I have shared this numerous times, and I'm going to tell you. You know, it'll be, it's 20, oh, see, May, it'll be 24 years Brian and I have been married. When we started praying together, I mean, I, the intimacy in praying together and opening up your heart before the Lord as he sees you as one before him in Christ, in a marriage, there is no greater intimacy with a husband and wife. It's way more intimate than a physical union. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to be able to pray. Or if your husband isn't at that point yet, just ask if you can pray with him or pray over him. Or if there's a hardship or whatever, lay your hand on him you know, and, and pray over him as he goes to sleep with you. There's nothing better to pray together. To have an accountability partner that you pray with is, is tremendous. Or, or, you know... As you're praying together, when you when you when somebody comes up alongside you and everything, and they say, "Margo, you know, would you pray for me?" Or this is happening. Or pray. Guess what you should do? Pray right then. Don't say, "Oh, I'm going to pray for you," which is great to keep on keeping on praying. But guess what? Release God's power right then into that person. Right then. Right then. I don't care where you're standing. I have been at the pig, at Starbucks, at Pick and Save, you know, at the Y. I've been all over the place, out in the parking lot. And it's like, that's it. I remember standing, oh my goodness, where were we? That we prayed and prayed for her, their son. And, and like within days, this, this uh, teenage son had come to Christ after that. It was amazing. It, oh, I know where it was. It was Luis's parking lot in Brookfield. On, on Blue Mound, okay? Because I, I remember it was, a, you know, it's a big hill, and we were stood there, and it was just us alone and Jesus. I mean, we could have been hit by a car and not known it because, because God's power just is released within that. Just pray with them immediately. Don't say you're going to pray for them. Continue to pray for them, but pray with them, just like Jesus did with his disciples. Jesus always prayed for his disciples, but he prayed with his disciples. Okay, and so he took them up there, okay? And what does he say? If two or three are gathered, what? In my name, what's going to happen? I will be in the midst, okay? And such is the power of united prayer. Right? Of coming together under one, under his, under his Godhead, and giving him absolutely all the praise, all the glory, all the power, giving him full sway in your life, 
Margo, I just want to share something that's really kind of funny. Most of you who know me here know that I would be the one with the temper, and Daryl is just very soft-spoken and quiet, and I would be the one that would always be mouthing off if we were fighting, and he would say, we have to pray right now. And he can't stay mad. I mean, <laughs> Is it great? You know, and sometimes you would honestly pray that, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> great. The other thing I wanted to say is this is very basic, but I haven't done this in 30 years. And we've been married almost 40. And at the beginning of this year, we started making a prayer list. We did that when I was first saved. Because it really makes us conscious of not just centering on us, but praying for other things and other people. And I've had several people call me and say, you know what? I know you guys are praying. This has happened. Great. You can check that off. The list. Yeah, amen. You know, amen. Because it's usually me, 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 us, us, yep. us. That way we can really get down to it. Amen. Uh, that's intercessory prayer. Uh, this book by Dr. Thomas Samuels, who is the uh, missionary that I know extremely well. He's a national India in India. He's been there for, he's got to be 80, same as Stuart's, they're 80. Uh, he's been there now for... Well, he was born and raised there, so, but I mean, the ministry, Quiet Corner, has been there, I'd say, 50 plus years, okay? But uh, through his son, it's Southeast Asian Ministries that's involved in this as well, uh, we're getting these books. And so it, it is called The Dynamics of Intercessory Prayer. It's, a lot of us need to broaden our, our prayer life, okay? Because you guys, we can touch the far, reach corners of the world in her prayer life. When my mom was about age 80, let's see, she moved to heaven at 88. So it must have been about 80, she, how old was she? 82, probably 84. Going in 84 when she needed to move into uh, assisted living because she had macular degeneration. She had um, two hip replacements and she had neuropathy in her feet. Okay, But I'm telling you, she would say, you know, and many people know what she said when she moved into Oakwood uh, in Madison. It's a wonderful um, Christian home uh, in her, uh, for uh, assisted living. She says, well, God has me here, Margo, because they're going to have to trip over me to get to damnation. Before they get to damnation, they have to trip over me, man. I'm like, you rock, Mom. You rock. You absolutely. But what she said is, as she was, you know, as First Corinthians says, you know, our bodies are what? Wasting away. But daily what? Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day by day. So what happened is, is that she became, I mean, she was always a prayer warrior, but let me tell you something. When, when her body was given out, she became even more of a prayer warrior. I mean, she would gather people together. She would, I mean, pray. She'd fast. I mean, you name it. She would, I mean, I mean, we're talking about, you know, come to Jesus time at Oakwood. I mean, she would continue to pray. People would be hurting this, this, this. You know what? They'd show up at Mary Lance's door. Absolutely, let's pray. She was just praying, praying, praying. See, she touched the far reaches of the world by intercessory prayer. It wasn't just about, oh, take care of me, Jesus. You know, I got this, I got this, I got this. Are you kidding me? And if you remember in the, in the Gospels, when the friends prayed for their friend, what happened? They were healed. They were healed. Do you see how intercessory prayer works? That's how intercessory prayer works. We need to persevere in prayer. You guys, a lot of us will pray when things don't look so great. And we'll keep going, keep going, keep going. And perse- but when things, then remember when, we, when it's happy, remember we learned about when we're happy, then it's sort of like, oh, well, everything's good now. So, you know, I don't need to be praying. No. 
You know, I mean, we need to persevere. He says to do, watch and what? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And in this very uh, one where he says, you know, um, in, in this loop where he took Peter, John, and James with him in the mountain, okay, if you remember that uh, Elijah and Moses, okay, appeared, you know, on, on the mount when a prayer meeting was going on, okay, they, they appeared, okay, and, and they talked with Jesus, okay, but we find that Peter and his companions were what? They were sort of sleepy. They're sort of sneaky a little bit, you know. Boy, I got a lot of stuff to do with you, Jesus. I follow you everywhere around. Man, I mean, how do you keep this up, man? With the springs of living water, I don't know. You know, I could just see him, right? And so they're they're pretty they're pretty tired, okay. And and you know, it, it may sound humorous, okay, but it's true that that Jesus's heartfelt desire was to implant in his disciples how important prayer life is, was to implant in his disciples. I mean, that's why he was always praying, okay? Uh, one of the reasons, you know, that he was implanting in his disciples, okay? His life was a model that went before. Remember, it's more caught than taught. It's more caught than taught, okay? And so, and so what happens is, is that here they are. It could have been an incredible moment for them, okay? And meanwhile, you know, they have missed what God's best was for them. Okay? Because they won't tarry and pray. Okay? In other words, they won't persevere. They won't persevere. Okay? And many of us, many of us has, have missed God's best because we don't continue to tarry and pray and tarry and pray and tarry and pray. Okay? That long suffering and continue to know that you know that God's working the unseen more than you can ask think or imagine, right? Exceedingly, aboundingly more. But he is working it out. You know why? It's not only for your good and his glory, but for everyone who's involved in it. Everyone gets touched by that prayer. Everybody gets touched. Okay, it's the big picture. It's not the little snapshot. It's not just the little snapshot that we see. It's the big picture. And we may not see the fruition of that until we see him face to face someday. But you will see it. You will see it because he's always faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot because he's God. And that's what he's going to do. And that's what he's already done in the heavenlies. And we're just joining him in what he's already done. And what I love about Jesus is he never gave up on his disciples even though they were pitiful. Right? Doesn't that just give you joy? He never gives up on us. He never gives up on us. He keeps coming alongside, hound to heaven. Come on, you can do this. Come on, let's go. Let's try it again. Follow me again. Let's do it again. Let's do the prayer meeting again. Come on, let's go. Come on. Right? He's always, always bringing you along. Just like we brought our kids along as they were starting to walk. You can do it. Come on. Oh, oh, boomies. Uh-oh. Get, get up. Oh, boomies. Come on. Let's go. Okay. Hold on over here. Oh, and they're Right? Right? And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Good job. Good. You see my kids? See my kids? See my kids? Oh, boom. Oh. You know, are you kidding? That's exactly who he is to us. He is our father who's going, come on. You can do this with me. Come on. Don't give up. Don't just keep crawling your whole life. Do you want your kids to crawl their whole life? They'd miss out on the best. We're supposed to stand erect. They would miss out. God's always like, come on, let's stand up. Come on, you can walk with me. Come on, let's walk with me, right? It's not working for him. It's walking with him. 
walking with him and catching what he's doing. And I love that he never, ever, ever, ever gives up on us. Okay? Then the, the eighth one is that after Jesus finished praying in Luke 11, 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Did you get that? Okay. After Jesus finished praying, okay, I love this. They're praying, once again, they're praying in a certain place, right? Okay. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, okay? So, while Jesus was praying, the disciples are watching him, okay? Okay. And, and many a times they saw their master, their teacher, on his, on his knees. I know that I know, right? And so, many a times they saw that, okay? But this time something happened in their hearts, Right? This time, they're not just watching him pray or falling asleep while he's praying. Okay, something happened in their hearts this time because what was their response after Jesus finished praying? Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord, okay? Okay, in other words, you know, they were confronted with the lack of prayer, perhaps, in their own lives. Just by all the times of watching Jesus praying and being with him, okay? And so, and so this breakthrough, you know, by the disciples of asking him you know, to teach us to pray, okay? You know, perhaps this is what Jesus was waiting for. See, as we're walking with Jesus, he allows us he, he, he allows us to walk through what we need to walk through so that there will be a breakthrough, so that our heart will be changed. Okay? We come to Him and ask forgiveness for the sin. We, he, the Holy Spirit enters into us. And then we become, you know, sanctified. And we're walking through, it's called sanctification. It's a walk that we're becoming more and more like Him. And what happens is, is as we're becoming more and more like Him, He allows these things to be seen so that there'll be breakthroughs in our life so that we will become more like Him. And this was a breakthrough in the disciples' life. You know what? Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Um, the example that Dr. Samuels has in here, he says, he says, once a friend of Dr. Billy Graham asked Billy, if I bring 12 young men to you to be trained, what will you teach them? Dr. Graham said in response, my friend, I would teach one of them to pray rather than 11 men to preach. I would teach them to pray rather than... 11 men to preach. Billy Graham knew the importance of prayer. The importance of prayer, okay? And so, you know, no wonder God continues to use that humble servant of his, Billy Graham, continually, right? Even now. As Jesus is teaching this, okay, um, uh, I, you're, when you get this book, you'll see, but he says um, that he, Dr. Thomas Samuel, came to Christ through Billy Graham. I came to know the Lord as my personal Savior in one of his meetings in New Delhi, India in 1956. God has thus honored my mother's prayer for my salvation as well. It is consistent prayer that made all the difference. So, you know, through that, and my mom prayed and prayed and prayed for me until I came to Christ at age 31. Who have you prayed for? 
right? Who have you prayed for that you can see God's wonderful hand? You know, he's obviously always going to hear the prayer of salvation, isn't he? Because he doesn't want anybody to perish, but to all to come to know him. Okay, so who are you praying for? Who are you praying for for salvation? Okay, I mean, not... It, not in general, which we should be praying in general for you know the world and our country and, and etc. But that the Lord has given us specifically in our family or in our sphere of influence people that we know that they they have rejected Christ. And you know what, the hound of heaven, when you when you continue to pray, it just motivates him even more. To, okay, here I am, here I am. I love you, I love you. Come on, come on. And so continue to pray, because I know that I know that uh, when we arrive in heaven, like Jill Briscoe says, you know, we're going to know who prayed you into heaven. We're going to know. We're going to know. It could be a host of people, but we're going to know. We're going to see all the ones that had prayed for us to be in heaven with them someday. Okay? And so, you know, I think sometimes... uh, I, I believe that the disciples asked, you know, teach us to pray because... Probably in their prayers as they were going along with Jesus. And like I used to see with my mom, all of her prayers seemed to be answered. Not mine, right? And I'm sure the disciples probably thought, well, you know, teach us to pray, Jesus. My prayers are fruitless. My prayers are fruitless. And, and, and you have the ear of the Father. How can I have the ear of the Father? <coughs> Right, and so he continued to show him that way. We know what to pray. You know, we know when to pray. You know, we know how to pray. But but then there's no power in our lives. Okay, there's no power in our lives. Okay, and we often tell other people to like to pray for us, kind of thing. But that should not substitute our personal prayer life, our personal time with the Father. Okay, uh, because. As you're growing closer to him, what's happening is is you you can't I'm gonna say double negative, you can't not want to be with him. Right? Meaning that you can't help but be with him. You want to be with him in that prayer life, okay? And so why not ask like the disciples did, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. In this very silence, in this very time with you, teach me to pray. Okay, and just like Jill did in uh, in the book uh, Prayer That Works that you're reading, I mean, you can see through what she has learned and how what she's gone through and how he takes you through these times of ups, times of downs that you know you're taught to pray. You're absolutely taught to pray. And then lastly, is this the last one I wanted to cover? Is to be always. Uh, no, one more. That we always want to watch and pray. This is be always on the watch and pray. Luke twenty one thirty seven says, "Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of God." Okay, watch and pray. Okay, Jesus warns us that we shouldn't be carried on with the business of this life. Because, guess what? We are aliens here. We're aliens. All of us. This is not our home. For those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, who's taken that step of walking over in commitment and saying, Lord, I know you died for me. Please enter me. Lord, please forgive my sin. I put you on that cross. Okay, for those of us who know him as our Savior, guess what? Our citizenship isn't here. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
Okay, and so as we are praying, you know, we shouldn't be overly concerned with the business, okay, of this life other than giving it over to the one who not only knows the future, but who shapes the future. And so we give that over to him, okay? It, it gives us all the more reason to pray. All the more reason to pray, okay? You know, again and again, Jesus was confronted all the time with the business of the time, and and and, and he was always telling the disciples, you know what? Cast your cares where? On me. Cast your cares on me. Cast your cares on me. Cast your cares on me. Guess what? We tell her, when Becca was three years old, we're walking through Door County, she picked up a whole bunch of rocks. Bunch of rocks. We're just zipping through Door County, and, and we're taking all kinds of, like, by cave point, and we're going up and down, and we're having a blast on all these trails. And Becca was carrying all these rocks, and she's trying... And, and she was so encumbered. She was so laden down. And Daddy had a great big old backpack. And so we said, put the rocks in Daddy's backpack. Daddy will carry it for you. And so to this day, we always share, you know what? Put that stuff in God's backpack. What, you know, cast your cares on it. He cares for you. You, know, you don't have to be so uh, befuddled about the business of the day. As you're this little alien going through this world. Because our citizenship is there. Depend on that, okay? Put all your cares on him, okay? And ask the Lord then to sort out our priorities of our life. Because if we're citizens in heaven and we're aliens here, where are we laying up our treasure? Ask him to sort out those priorities. What is he going to say? No. No. I just, just the way you are, just absolutely fine. No. He runs to us and says, excellent, let's go, let's go, okay? Luke 21, 37. And then in the very, at the very last year is Hebrews 5, verse 7. Is that in the days of Jesus' life on earth, okay, he prayed, and this is what he said. It said, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Because of his reverent submission. What a remarkable ending of Jesus' life on earth that was soaked in prayer. Right? What a remarkable ending of his walking on earth, right? His three years of teaching, absolutely going to the cross, knowing, you know, but, but for the glory set before me, I endure the cross. Right? And what did he do? What did he do? You know, autobiography of Jesus. His life was a life of prayer, continually. When you look at all the miracles that he performed, I mean, you could just write them all down, okay? It doesn't even compare to his life of prayer. It doesn't even compare to his life of prayer. But we just go, whoa! We're drawn to the miracle stuff. We're drawn to the you know the outward stuff, to the healings, to this, to that, to feeding the 5,000. I mean, they're great stories. They're wonderful. He's showing miracles are what? Do you know what the word miracle means? It means a sign pointing to. The reason miracles were performed is so that it would be a sign that would point to Jesus Christ as deity. It was a sign to show them that Jesus is God. He's just 
not a prophet. He's just not a teacher. He is God incarnate. He came in the flesh for us. That's what miracles are for. It is a sign to point you to Jesus Christ as God. And that's what he was doing. His prayer life wasn't a part of his life. His prayer life was his life. Okay? It was his life. And so I'm asking you, as we finish in studying you know, Jesus' example of prayer life, you know, is, is your prayer life going from just being a part of your life to being your life? Okay? Because that's his example. That's who he is. Yes. When you stop just coming to God in times of trouble, no one else... You know, but God, that's the only one you can go to? Okay, when you, when, when you realize that that's not the only time you go to him anymore, okay, that, that, that really your life becomes a life of intercession for others, a life of, of change me, a life of, 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 um, of, of prayer. You know, as we just walked through these ten different times of when Jesus prayed and how he prayed and who he prayed with and how it became a priority, when it goes from going from, oh, I need to quick pray, to the fact that you can't help but pray, that you can't help but have intercessory prayer for others, okay, then, you know, then you know that it is your desire to follow in Jesus' steps. Then you know it's your desire. And then you're becoming more and more conformed to the likeness of his son. You know how people say, well, how do you do that? Well, you need to obey in this, this. But guess what? Your prayer life will help you obey. Your prayer life will help you obey. It's just who you are before him, okay? It, it will continually help who you are in him. Jesus didn't just pray. He interceded. Okay, and that's what he's continually doing right now. He's interceding, like Joan said this morning, or this in the beginning of the hour, is that he interceded for us, and he continues to intercede. He didn't just pray, he intercedes. And that's what I'm asking the Lord to continue to grow up in me, is to stand in the gap for someone else. To stand in the gap for... You know, whoever God has laid on my heart and put in my sphere of influence, that I would stand in that gap and know that I know that I know that that's who he is and I'm bringing him here to you, Lord, and I expect nothing else but what you have for them. And to continue to intercede because when you know that you know that you know that you know him, you can't help but do that. You trust him. And the more you know him, the more you trust him, guess what? Your prayer life grows abundantly. The more you know him, the more you trust him, you just can't help but your prayer life because you know who he is and you know his answers. And, you know, uh, when we get to the end of uh, studying this, I have these prayer and praise starters so that you can continue. Like if you get stuck, sometimes you get stuck just because of a situation that you're in or... Or you know, I or that you just don't feel like it, or you're upset, or whatever it is, and you just start with this praise starter or this prayer starter, and then you allow him because it's scripture. It's scripture. You pray scripture back to him because all scripture is inspired. So you're praying it back to him, and it can and it helps you get on the same plane again with him, and then you walk with him as you're walking this week. Okay. Uh, next week we're going to go into the hindrances of an effective prayer life, okay? There are hindrances to an effective prayer life. We're going to attack all five of them, not in one time. But there are hindrances. There are five hindrances to an effective prayer life the Word of God shares with us, okay? Now, as your prayer life's growing, you want to know what those hindrances are so that they aren't 
standing in the way of you having this incredible um, rich time with the Lord and that and there aren't clumps and clods and all kinds of stuff that are that the water is hardly drizzling down as it goes to the culvert, right? But it's just whooshing. Right? The living water is just whooshing in and through you. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna study that, all right? So in closing, because the Lord was a man of prayer, we need to be women of prayer. Women of prayer. No matter no, quite frankly, no matter if you want to be or not, okay, it comes from obedience. It comes from... Do you think, guys, sometimes when Jesus was all done with the crowds and all done with this, and then his disciples were nagging and this and this and everything, and then it says he went away up the mountain, okay? Remember, he's all God, but he's all man. Did he get fatigued? Yeah, did you know? Did he did he absolutely have every feeling that we have? Absolutely. Okay. Do you think that was something at times that he really, you know, felt like, yeah, man, let's go up the mountain. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's go up the mountain. And and it, but his desire, his desire for being obedient, and being with his father, negated everything in between. All the physical, all the hardship, all the whatever, all the busyness of the day, whatever it is, because his desire was overwhelmingly to be with his Father. That's my prayer for all of us, is that our desire is overwhelming in us, that we can't help but want to be with the Father. It's overwhelming. More than we can ask, think, or imagine. And that's what I'm praying for us as we're growing up in Him and growing up and discipling each other is that we are overwhelmed by Him so much that we can't help but pray. We can't help but continue to confess and pray. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You that You have spoken. We thank You that uh, You have... um, that it is all about You and it is not about us. Oh God, change our hearts. Continue to change our hearts. Lord, make us into you. Thank you for your incredible example as you walked this earth. Thank you that uh, you gave everything that we need, Lord, in your word for us. Thank you that we can uh, receive such instruction and hope and and truth, Lord, that just pours out of your words, Lord. May we become incredible prayer warriors. May we, may our very being, Lord, just praise you. And teach us. Teach us to pray. Teach us to stop and listen. Teach us to hear from you. Lord, I ask that uh, this week we would once again uh, steal away, make the time, be in constant presence of you. That we'd share with others, pray with others, that we'd commune with others, or we'd intercede. Lord, we would absolutely follow your example and become uh, these intimate, intimate followers of you that can't help but tell you everything that's going on and, and, uh, and praise you and thank you and ask you and intercede for others, Lord. May it just become our, our way of life, Jesus, as it did you as you walked this earth. Be so pleased with us, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. Well, we were still sinners. You died for us, Lord. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, you died for us. 
So Jesus, we thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory this week as we walk. Bring us back together next week. Uh, just uh, excited to hear from you and hear your word and, and to share those God moments once again, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.